What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dance of Life podcast. My name is Tudor Alexander, and I'm your host. Thanks so much for being here as I share with you a wonderful interview with my good friend Ilya on how he found Christ at a very difficult part of his life. He had a very serious brush with death in his early 20s, and it changed his life, to say the least. Him and I actually have quite a few things in common. We both grew up Eastern Orthodox and from communist countries. And so his testimony is very powerful. Today he works as a coach and he inspires other people to live a better life. And so I'm very excited to have him on the show and to share his testimony of how ultimately God changed his life. So without further ado, make sure you hit that subscribe button and let's get to it. Hey man, it's so good to see you. We uh we haven't seen each other in a while. We I used to travel for dance competitions and that's how we met, but it's been a few years, so it's good to see you. Yes, yes, likewise. Hello. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your journey with Christ. I mean, it's uh it's a new thing for me to get back and interviewing, so I'm very grateful to have you on the show uh as my guinea pig to share these things. I think it's it's so important to get the word out, to get the testimonies out of different people's walks and how God is just doing the work in our lives. So do you want to start us off with a little prayer? I love to do that with my guests. Yeah, yeah, sure. I've been praying a lot lately. I got pretty good at it. That's good. (laughs) Okay. Heavenly Father, please bless this call and may this interview be of benefit to whoever stumbles upon it. Please help me watch my mouth because it is a dirty one. And uh, may may this be a good blessing for as many people as possible. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Amen. Love it. <laughs> hey, you know, I struggle with the same thing, but it's I'm grateful that I have a different direction with my podcast because now it's kind of forces me to be <laughs> to be a little better with my mouth. So, yeah, I, I feel the pain. So how did you? I mean, let's just get right into it. How how did you come to Christ? What happened in your life that you changed? I got a good story for y'all. So I was baptized in a, a Russian Orthodox church, but I grew up in Russia. So religion is very optional there. Uh, and it's also very stiff. I go to a Baptist church now. It's very nice. It's light. We sing. Uh, it's pleasant. It's just, it's so warm. Um, in, in Russia, it's like it's drenched in in misery. Maybe I don't understand something about the Orthodox ways, but people go there and they have this strife. Like their life is soaked with strife, and whoever shows it the most is the one who who gets the most benefits from God. <laughs> I grew up so, Orthodox too, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so every time I'd go there, it's like, what is this miserable experience and why do people still keep coming? So because of that, I can just was like, whatever. It just what okay, yeah, whatever. I, I don't care. But then I came to America and it was all about survival and I was focusing on making sure that I have enough food in my house, that I'm warm and just kind of keeping it together and I was doing pretty good without God for a while. Um, as you know, I run a dancing shoe company, and I'm sure God was there. It's just 
I continuously chose not to have a relationship with him because some things that I got through, there's no way God wasn't there <laughs> to take care of me. For example, I almost took my life at 22 when I went to Oregon and lived wow. there with another person and it didn't work out. And I thought I was such a loser and a failure that I need to, needed to die. And I remember, I remember how I didn't, I was sitting on the cliff ready to slit my wrists and jump off. And I couldn't decide, do I jump head first or legs first? Uh, I wanted to die faster. And then this one thought just stopped me. It, <laughs> I had this vision of God kind of like yelling at me after death. What did you do? I had plans for you, bro. <laughs> and I remember laughing and like literally that's the only thought that stopped me. And I just walked away, uh, just bleeding all over the snow, not, not, not having jumped, but, but survived. Wow. So yeah, I know I'm laughing about it because it's out of my system, but of course it's extremely traumatic and it was so crazy. On my way there to the cliff, my mom called me. She hasn't called me in months. And she, she called to check on me. It's <laughs> like, okay. Mother's oh, instinct. I can, I can take a hint. I call these kind of things God winks. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was my first real encounter with God because I think that's the only thing that prevented me from doing that. And then I kind of got into my shoe business and I was doing it and it was going fine until 2016 when I got completely disillusioned with it and kind of started hating it. So I got a real estate license and went into Keller Williams. The way Keller Williams works is they send in professionals in other fields to increase the output of the agent. And this one day, a Tony Robbins recruit, recruiter came in and there was about 25 people in the class. I'm the only one that went. Got hooked up with a life coach, Keith Wagner, who completely changed my life. At that moment, my perception was I'm a traveling shoe salesman and I help rich people and I am nobody. I'm just a means to their end, a cockroach for their preferences. But through Keith's coaching, I was able to change my perspective completely. I, I now suddenly saw myself as the gatekeeper of people's dreams because I know how to fit them. I know what they need. I know what sucks and what doesn't. And unless I help them, they're going to buy some insert profanity word. <laughs> and then I, I would not be living my mission. So that's when I knew there was something special about Keith. And one day he gave me this challenge coin, Ephesians 610. Is it 610 or is it 1610 about the armor of God? Um, that's a good question. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. You're supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm supposed to have it memorized. Um, we can look it up. Let's see. I think it's 1610. It, well, Ephesians only has six chapters. so. Okay, so it must be 610. Oh, see, you yeah, know that. Six, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's 611. Put on the, armor, put on the whole armor of God. Yeah. Close enough. 611. There's a lot so, of good verses in the Ephesians. I get them all mixed up. Expose the works of darkness, saved by grace. I mean, it's a lot of good stuff in there. So he gives me this coin. It's like a challenge coin is like a coin about this big. It's usually brass and you just carry it in your pocket like a little reminder. Kind of like a fidget, I guess. Spinner thing. 
And okay, whatever. Ephesians six eleven, armor of God. Just scoffing at it at the time, two thousand seventeen. And throughout our coaching calls, he keeps peppering God here and there, and saying things like, "What is your life about? Are you gonna keep selling shoes? Is your life about making money? Is your life about making people's dreams come true?" Eventually, all this stuff is inconsequential. Started peppering books into my life here and there. John Eldridge uh, had had a huge influence on me. His book, Wild at Heart. Mm. In that book, he basically argues every man has to have a mission. And the most ultimate mission that any man can have is to serve God. Everything we That's do could be, could be a derivative of God being served by us. You on this podcast, me with the shoes, with the life coaching, being a good husband, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, things started clicking. And I finally started, the bark of my heart started to peel off. The ice started to melt from my brain. And I started getting closer and closer to God by praying, uh, allowing him to guide me, listening to his winks, paying attention. And before I knew it, I was full-fledged in because I saw proof that when I choose to have a relationship with God, my life is 100% or more better than me trying to do it myself. And I'm almost done. And then you can get into questions to, to oh, wrap it up. Good, my, dad, yeah, you're good. My, dad, my dad grew up in communist Russia. And at the time, anything God related was scoffed at like, psh, it was yeah. more like Ayn Rand fountainhead, self-determinism. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. No God is coming to rescue you. Figure it out or die. So I, I could see my father's godless life. He's a good man, but he's committed to this notion that I got it. And he doesn't have it. Yeah. So many things could be better. And then I look at my life and I've let God in. And I talk to him and he helps me and I listen to him and I look at his life and I look at my life. I don't mean to sound like a jerk to my father, but my life is good. And hopefully he never sees this podcast. <laughs> and I've, I've been trying to get him closer to God, but it's hard. When, does he when speak we're, English? Yeah. He does? Okay. Yeah. When we're set in our ways, we want to be right. So... Yeah. Takes a while for a man to to hand hand over that <clears throat> pride. So for me, I always had a very clear vision of what my life could end up like without God. Mm. Uh, I'm a strong believer that everybody is either an example or a warning, regardless of a relationship with that individual. So I was like, well, okay, sure, I'll I'll choose life with God. Seems like a like a sweeter deal. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much my story. And now I pray. I say grace. I love saying grace between before meals and like throughout the day. Just prayer has become a fun conversation rather than a, a, a dreadful nuisance to get through. Yeah, that's such a big change too. You know, I can relate to a lot of the things you're saying because I also grew up. Eastern Orthodox, and we were refugees from communist Romania. I didn't grow up in Romania too long, but, you know, 
definitely have the same background and it just never, you know, never sat well with me just going through the motions of religion and just, it's just all this extra stuff that puts itself in between you and God. And the whole point of Jesus coming and becoming a human being is that there isn't anything in between us. That was the whole point. <laughs> People still don't get it. So, you know, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice. I'm so, I'm glad to be where I'm at. Definitely. I can see my blessings and uh, the, w- the way I reconciled it in my commercialized mind is if I focus on being good, if I focus on being a soldier of light, then I will be taken care of. It is a lot less effort than to continue to f- come up with ways to scheme and defraud the world. It's just so much easier to surrender and be like, yes, God, whatever you say. And because that's, that's what I got so far. And I, I really like my specific relationship with God because um, I used to be this cynical uh, negative person. Just anything I would say would be soaked in toxic commentary. I know what it's like to live without God and it's just so nasty. It's so much work. And right now I'm chilling. Yeah. But of course, the price of that is is pride. I'm still an arrogant fellow, but I had to surrender a lot of my pride to get the access. It's nice. I like it. It's not I was that gonna much. Say, to I was going to say, what's been your biggest challenge? And it sounds like it's probably still working on pride, or is that what you feel is the biggest challenge? <laughs> my biggest challenge is. Yeah, pride, arrogance, conviction that I'm special and that I am allowed things that others are not because of my work and my effort and how much I've done. Uh, And that shows up in how I don't take care of my body because I don't have to. Look at me. I'm so cool. Mm. Shows up in how I waste time and shows up in my selfishness. But the good thing is, uh, as at least I'm aware of it, it's it's not like what's that thing with a Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew yeah. with the log in the eye. I used to definitely have a log in my eye, but now I go to church every Sunday if I'm not traveling, and listen to the gospel, to the books. Just yesterday I was in Miami and I listened to John chapter 18 to 21, just sitting on the beach looking at the ocean, cried a little. Nice. So good. I love it. It's before I would read the Bible, I'd be like, what is all this mumbo jumbo? Like, <laughs> gee, what are you, what are these crazy things? Why does it have to be so weird? But uh, I it's was a test, just not It's ready. a test of faith. You know, there's so many things in the Bible that make people stumble if they don't believe. And that's the whole point. Yeah. It's, it's a I wasn't ready. Block. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. It's like I speak Russian, I speak Spanish, but here was. Uh, a Chinese or Arabic and I'm looking at it and every sentence, every line annoys me or even if I get angry and I try to will it, I'm going to get through the Bible. <laughs> I just get sleepy and I don't care. I just literally fell asleep many times, but now not so much. It's, it's, it's a whole different thing that I can't really explain. It doesn't bore me anymore. It excites me to see what I can 
pick up. There's an endless amount of, of wisdom in the Bible. It's truly profound. I, again, I can relate to you. There was so many years of my life where, I mean, I went to like Catholic school. We went to, you know, I went to private school most of my life. And so I was surrounded by the Bible, but I never, the closest I ever got to being interested in it was like when I used to believe in ancient aliens and all this stuff. And I would look through the you know Old Testament to see if there's, you know, proof of aliens coming down and creating humanity and just all this nonsense. But yeah, for the longest time, I thought it was, you know, just a book of fairy tales. And now I'm grateful that God opened my eyes to see just how much it's just profound. It really is profound. You could study the Bible every day, the rest of your life, and you would never get bored. So I, I think it has to do with age. You and I are in yeah. our thirties. So Keith, yeah. Keith opened up my heart probably around the uh, 29. Mm-hmm. It was 2017 when I met him. So five years ago, I'm 35 or 36. I'm, I forgot how old I am, but one it's of one those. of those. <laughs> and before, like in my late 20s, I, did, I didn't want to even hear about it. But now, I really want to hear about it. What's been what's been a like a life lesson that you recently learned from reading? Well, I love Luke, the book of Luke. So the last couple of months have been really pounding me, specifically the parable of the sower. Mm. I could, when I read it, I could just see my entire life in, in these little chapters, yeah. the, the wayside life in my early twenties, when even if somebody came at me, even if Jesus came down and says, yo man, I got you. <laughs> I'd be like, ah, it's okay. I got, I got video games to play and uh, rollerblades to, to skate on. Come back in 10 years. <laughs> I just completely ungrateful and non-receptive. Then there's the the road period, maybe in my late 20s, when something would land but not really sprout. And now in my early or mid-30s, I'm probably somewhere around the weedy soil where some gospel lands. And I'm like, oh, that's that's some powerful stuff. And then I go back to being <laughs> of my sinful nature. So I have this feeling that towards the end of my 30s, I'm going to be ripe. Yeah, nice. And Parable. truly give fruit. You know, it's Parable of the Sower is such a classic. It's it's truly profound. I, I love Parable. I mean, I could talk about Parables all day long. There's so many books on Parables, too. If you if you like the Parables, there's a lot of people who've written uh, some great books, just analyzing and breaking them down. And it's just amazing how so much can be packed into like a little story. It, that's mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's profound. Yeah, I love purpose. Another thing that I must mention, I watched this show called The Chosen on Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen it? I've seen clips of it. I haven't watched it, like actually watched the seasons or anything, but I've seen. You got to watch it. It, it, it's so cool. Yeah. It, it doesn't. How do I put it? It rejuvenated my curiosity about the Bible. Mm. We 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 read the Bible and we read the letters and then we kind of like interpret it, whatever it might mean, whatever it might have been like. This show it gives Matthew a face, give 
gives Peter a face. It gives Jesus a face. It gives Mary a face. It gives Nicodemus a face. Whatever you think about who wrote it or how they made it, or, oh, that's not very accurate. That's not a whatever. For me, it was so powerful because suddenly the Bible came alive. Yeah. It was no longer some random hypothetical book. I got so connected with the Bible because of the show that it made me want to read more and more and more because now I had a skeleton onto which that I could uh, hang my conscience onto. I'm failing with the right words here, but I get you. Yeah. You had some like a visualization of it that you could. Yeah. yeah I'm a very about. visual person. I can read the text yeah. and get bored and annoyed, but now I have an anchor. I can kind of sort of commit and decide on what Jesus looked like. I can kind of sort of commit and decide what we are legion. What right. <laughs> like all this, all this stuff that made no sense, but now like it, it connected it for me in a really cool way. Yeah, it's it's nice to have those visualizations. I, I'm the same way. I, I like a visual thing. I, I always loved the uh, that old movie. I think it was from the 70s. Is Jesus of Nazareth. I forget the actor, some British actor, but I always loved that movie. I, I just and the Passion of the Christ is that's a that's a yeah, tearjerker. If I, it, I if started rewatching it, but I paused when when they're about to start lashing him. I was like, oh, that's too much. So I just paused it. <laughs> It's crazy, man. I mean, that's and that's accurate. That's historically accurate. It's just mind blowing how much pain and suffering somebody can can take. I don't think any human being could take that much pain. So. Let's not hope. Let's hope we never find out. Yeah. Well, what would you say to somebody who's maybe on the fence like you were with God or with Jesus specifically? God is not out to get you. Give it a shot. Give it a chance. Yes, we live in a jaded world, the world of the devil, the world of cravings and desires and satisfactions and flesh. So it's easy to assume that everybody is out to get you. I believe that forever. My One of my major limiting beliefs was that People engage only so that they can get something. Like that was my conviction. I was as certain of it as of my next inhalation. Mm. Whoever shows up into my life, on guard. Let's let's see what they want. And let's see if I can afford to give it to them. That was just my attitude towards life. Now it's not that at all. That's like, what can I do for you? I'm so happy. How can I make your life better? Oh, you have nothing to give me in exchange? That's cool. I don't need anything. I, I got somebody else who's going to take care of that payment for me. Mm. God. Because he is watching my attempts at being a good person. And yes, we're not going to get rewarded by our deeds, but my effort and my attitude, I, I'm convinced, is enough to to be paid if, if we want to commercialize it again. So yeah, when, when I gave up this <laughs> suspicion <laughs> that God's going to take something from me, if I, if I surrender and if I get into a relationship with him, 
that changed everything for me. So that's what I would say to somebody who's on the fence. Relax. It's not an engagement with a desperate human who is focused on a scarcity and uh, self-indulgence. It's it's a relationship with an entity that has everything it could ever need. And it would be nice for God and Jesus to have my love, attention, and respect. And then he asks for it. And if and when I chose to give it, that's when my life really became very, very pleasant. That's that's what I would say to somebody who's on the fence. Nice. What are you most grateful for today to God? songs uh, like worship uh, songs or just yeah yeah worship songs i i used to sing before i came to america oh, and really? I, yeah like pretty good like Pavarotti and uh, wow. classical russian songs but since i came here i kind of abandoned it and i recently started singing to myself for now i'm actually gonna go sign up for it for a singing class somewhere and maybe get into the choir at my church I love the songs. They make me cry. They're, I save them. I listen to them throughout my day. Whenever I feel temptation or a moment of weakness, I put on and shuffle some songs. Like right now I'm listening to a lot of uh, <clears throat> Zachary something. Hold on. I'll tell you. Uh, I, I, didn't can't you I didn't know you sang. That's cool. And sang pretty well, apparently, if you're singing Pavarotti. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love singing, but I had no reason to sing, or at least I would be disconnected from it. So I've been singing a lot in church, and these songs, they keep me on track, right? Like, So I think of them as little lighthouses as I swim on the ocean of debauchery that is this life. (laughs) So Matt Maher, M-A-H-E-R, Mm. This one song called Lord, I Need You. I love that one so much. You know it? Uh, I don't. I'll have to check it out. That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah it's a good song. Mm. So, so definitely grateful for songs. Grateful for <laughs> guidance. I, I've never felt guided. Uh, my second business is life coaching. And I have now eight clients that are active. Wow. And I remember just a year or two ago, I was so scared to, to, to start. It's like, who am I to life coach? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just, know the feeling. I'm just saying like, I, I felt the same way, but sometimes we have to just take that first step. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again, back to the show, the chosen Peter, Matthew, uh, Thomas, Mary, they're right. like, who am I to follow you? So in the same way, I was like, "Who am I to 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 coach anyone about anything? I'm I'm I barely have it together myself." And despite all that, I can see that I'm helping, and I can see that it's not my doing. I pepper God for my clients here and there, like Keith peppered it for me. I call it pepper because uh, got to be yeah. gentle with it. You believe in Jesus right now. I won't coach you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that I, wouldn't have worked out. You have to, you have to, 
you know, everybody's got a different journey. I like to think that we're all gardeners in the garden and, you know, God, I used to feel like, oh, you need to convert people or anything, but you know, ultimately the Holy Spirit's doing the work, right? And you, you yeah, water, you water what you, you can. And then if the person receives it, great. If not, it doesn't mean anything. Just let God work. So the chapter of my life right now that I'm going through that I'm very grateful for is this dichotomy between cursing man and praising God. I think you understand what I mean, but I'll elaborate real quick. In coaching, we call it matching and mismatching. Mm -hmm. Mismatching is when something is happening, somebody's being certain way saying something or something has transpired and I immediately identify what's wrong with it. That's what we call mismatching. Matching is when we make a conscious effort to see all what's good about this whatever it may be, all your turmoils that you shared with me recently, mine matching would be like, well, why would this happen? What's good about this? And the cursing men is so easy. Somebody picking their nose on a subway, a person cut you in traffic. Cursing is right there at any moment. Just go ahead. All the profanity that I know, it's there. the gun is loaded, ruin right. their lives, curse them hard. Or praise God. Uh, praising God is also available at, a, at every moment, at every instance, in every occurrence. But it has to be a conscious choice. So that's that's what I'm working on right now. Intercepting and pausing between stimulus and reaction and converting it to a praising God response. I like this chapter a lot because I never realized how much I curse men and everything. Slight deviation from my expectation. (laughs) Incredible. It's crazy, man. And if that's how I show up, what can I expect from God? You're like, hey, uh, (laughs) here's all the blessings you deserve. Nothing. Yeah, we all have to sit in front of the judgment seat of Christ, even believers. We're not condemned, but we will have to be accountable for everything. I just, I think about that day, man, it just gets me excited, but, you know, it's kind of nervous too. I'm like, man, you get to look God in the eyes. What a thought. I mean, that's just like. I don't know. It's crazy. I don't really care about that. I'm just excited that I woke up. Yeah. It's always good to be excited about that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I still got a ways to go, but at least I'm paying attention now. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my good friend, Ilya. You know, we never know when or where God is going to make the move to touch our hearts and irreversibly change them. So I hope it encouraged you wherever you happen to be on your journey. If you haven't let Christ in yet, or if you're already walking with him, I hope this interview has been a blessing to you. Make sure you subscribe for more content like this. And until next time, God bless.